You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Welcome to The Legal Connection with Tony Lynn Collins and Cheryl Ellsworth-Jahani. We're two local community uh, licensed attorneys, and we're here to help you. Uh, This is The Legal Connection. We're on IRLoneStar.com, and uh, we come to you every Tuesday at 12 noon, as well as weekly on podcast and YouTube. Visit IRLoneStar.com dash slash dash TLC for more information. So today we're going to be talking about, we're going to continue the discussion about family violence. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, we talked to you about domestic violence, family violence from the perspective of the accused. And I just want to give you a recap of that. Um, The perspective of the accused is usually... uh, when the woman accuses the man, her boyfriend, her living boyfriend, maybe the father of her children or her husband of domestic violence, and then he, typically a male, is put in the position of defending himself for that charge. Um, there are primary, first of all, the definition of domestic violence, domestic assault. That's uh, when a person can be charged with domestic assault if he or she does a physical harm against a family member, member of the household, or even someone they are dating. And uh, the way domestic assault happens is uh, following these following three offenses, and they're classified as misdemeanors. And that's important, and I'll get into that a little bit later. But number one, a person intentionally, knowingly, or recklessly causes bodily injury to another person. So you've got Intent, I intended to do it. Well, I didn't really intend, but I knew if I did it that it would happen, or I was just being reckless. Uh, number two, a person intentionally or knowingly causes, threatens another person with bodily injury, or a person intentionally or knowingly causes physical contact with another that the offender knows or reasonably should have known that the victim would find the contact provocative or offensive. And that's according to the Texas Penal Code. So some ways that domestic violence can occur is uh, the primary ones, the charges are assault. Um, There's a violation of a protective order. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Protective orders are in place. A lot of times you've got temporary restraining orders when a divorce is filed, but a protective order is in place when um, the uh, victim can show that domestic violence occurred in the past and it's likely to occur again. Those two prongs have to be met in order for a court to issue a protective order. And it's important to know that when someone is under a protective order, here in this case, we're talking about the male, uh, typically the male is under a protective order. Uh, A lot of times their rights are impeded. And so to go to court and get a protective order, it's very close to a trial. Um, There's actually been some discussion that it needs to be more difficult to get a protective order than it is because um, the the alleged perpetrator or the perpetrator uh, can't carry a gun, has to, a lot of times they lose their job um, or they're put on probation until the final outcome of the protective order is determined by a court. So having these protective orders in place are very serious, have very serious consequences. So... If you, if you have a protective order in place and you violate it, like he's not supposed to have any contact with his girlfriend, mother of his children, wife, mother, whoever has the protective order in place, and he tries to contact her through uh, phone calls or personal contact, physical contact, or even through a third party, then he can be charged with domestic violence and taken to jail. Uh, continuous family violence is another thing. And we talked about that last time as well. Um, so there are a lot of people that are affected uh, 
by domestic violence, you got your spouses, partners, children. Children are, are uh, a lot of times unknowing, unthought out victims of domestic violence. Sometimes it's in a dating relationship as well. But um, we also talked about the penalties. We have restitution. If a person gets a conviction for assault, at the very least, they may be ordered to pay restitution. Uh, that's simply reimbur- reimbursement to the victim. Uh, you can get deferred adjudication. That's done through a judge, and it means the defendant is not convicted of the crime. And um, so those are two penalties that are quite often imposed. Um, also, the problem we talked about this last time is um, the enhancement. You know, you've got some enhancements, and certain things um, can enhance um, charges like uh turn domestic violence into a felony if somebody can show or they allege that uh, they were choked or strangled. That that will enhance it to a third-degree felony. Um, it's classically uh, a Class A misdemeanor if the person being accused has no prior domestic assault convictions. So that is basically what we talked about last time. We talked about domestic violence from the perspective of the um, the alleged perpetrator or the perpetrator. And this time, Tony and I, today, we want to talk about um, domestic violence from the perspective of the victim. So um, we will be right back after the break, and uh, Tony and I will talk about the victim's perspective and what to do if you feel like you've been a victim of domestic violence. We'll be right back. Don't forget to download the Lone Star Community Radio app for your Google Play or Apple Store. Bring Montgomery County's Community Radio with you anywhere with your smartphone or tablet. If you are in the Conroe area, tune in on FM. That is Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1. This is Rick TRC. Every Monday through Friday from 3 to 7, I play today's country hits on my show, Afternoons with Lone Star, the type of music that makes you want to get off your seat, stomp your feet, sing along at the top of your lungs, and not care who hears. On Lone Star Community Radio, Conroe's FM 104.5 and 106.1, and as always on Worldwide, IRLoneStar.com. Welcome back to The Legal Connection with Tony Lynn Collins and Cheryl Ellsworth-Jahani. We're here today talking about domestic violence. We had a domestic violence show a couple of weeks ago, right, Tony? Yes, we did. And uh, we talked about domestic violence from the perspective of the uh, accused. And I just did a recap. We just did a recap on that. Is there anything that you want to add to that before we move on to the perspective of the victim? Yes. I first, I don't know if you have, uh, because I, I, my L stands for late. I was a little bit late today. <laughs> so I didn't know that if you had uh, let our, our listeners out there know that, that we recently did a trial. And I haven't talked about it yet. Okay. And I just, I have to say that you were just amazing. Well, thank uh, One, you. I, think, I think it was historic. You had... The first all-women jury, jury victory uh, rep- defending a, a a client who was falsely represented uh, uh, having assaulted uh, uh, his, his wife. wife. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, that was so difficult because what do you do? I mean, you want to believe her, but then, of course, you want to believe your own client. And we know, based on the facts, because we did the trial together, mm-hmm. that, that your client was completely innocent and in that there was a different motivation uh, that she had as to um, uh, turn, uh, tell what her side of the story was. And Absolutely. And the jury didn't find that her side of the story was believable. That's right. That's what they said. They and felt like his was more believable. You did so well. I'm so proud. 
proud of you. Oh, well, I couldn't have done it without you, Tony. You know that. <laughs> oh, let's try to but, go back to monks. <laughs> but one of the things that was frustrating to me about that, and I'd like your input on this, is that I was not allowed to talk to the jury about the consequences of what would have happened to him. It, it, what he had actually been through the whole time, uh, been charged with the, all the tens of thousands of dollars that he paid in legal yes. fees, mm-hmm. being incarcerated. Yes. Uh, Just and, the stress alone of not knowing that your career could be ended because of a false was, accusation. Right. And, and that was the consequence. And, and I couldn't talk to them about that. Uh, that well, you, you, so in, in some courts, I've been able to talk about it if the jury is, if it was the the, uh, you know, it's a bifurcated, if the jury had made, if my client had made the election that the jury would determine the punishment, you can kind of talk about that in Vordire and in your opening statement, you can kind of bring it in there, but they really kind of shy away from it. And that is a problem. I have a cases where uh, the the penalty is so severe. These people that you need to know, they need to take it even more seriously. Absolutely. You know, I mean, it's, it's, you want to believe the victim, no doubt. The mm-hmm. me too, hashtag me too. You want to believe them so bad. Right. But on the other hand, we've got a lot of women who are men too, can mm-hmm. be both ways, um, who are making false accusations because they're vindictive, mm-hmm. they're hurt, mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Maybe there's something else going on we don't know about. But for whatever reason, uh, the they should not be falsely accusing another person of something they didn't do. And we both know this to be uh, true, whether or not it's constitutional or not, but when you go into a trial, you pretty much better be prepared as the defendant and the attorney to face it as though you're guilty until proven innocent. Right. You bet. I mean, yes, you have the right to remain silent and not to testify, but that's not what juries want to see. Juries don't believe if you're not saying something. If you're just sitting quietly by, unless it's very, very clear, and you wouldn't have been charged, there would be no probable cause if it was that clear, right. then you better be prepared to to pull out all the stops. And, and you did that. You had all of the evidence. And, right. and even then it was very, uh, it was difficult because you can't put, bring everything to the jury's attention. No, you but can't do that. You did that very well. And I'm so proud well, of you. Well, thank you. I was very, very grateful. We're pleased. Yes, yes absolutely. <laughs> okay. And so, you know, the last time we were talking about from the uh, perpetrator's perspective, you were talking about things to do, uh, things that the accused needs to do from the very beginning. Yes. And uh, do you want to, I think you got to about number five. You were saying collect all the evidence. And well, the thing was, is that we um, we ran out of time because that's just my middle initial, L, T, L, C. So uh, being late for everything. And I guess it was late because I didn't, uh, I didn't uh, put the, our time together. I didn't, uh, I guess, conserve or prepare outline or whatever. But uh, I'd like, I think it is so important that these steps, that if you are accused of domestic violence, that that you these are the steps that you need to take if you're falsely accused. Actually, it would be in any different, any kind of crime. And, you know, and, and looking at the opposite of that, the victim needs to think about the these things that you're saying yes. in the same yes. way. Yes, because and, if they defend the perpetrator, they're going to help the victim right. prove their case. Right. So these are these are ten things that the person that's falsely accused needs to do, but the person that's also then the victim needs to consider doing the exact same thing. And so we'll kind of look on both sides. And so I'm going to ask our our our, our, our helper here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> our DJ. Our DJ uh, from the male perspective. Um, what if the, if, if the police came to your door, uh, like let's say tonight, and you didn't, there were, you had no reason to believe that there was uh, any, you know, I guess, something going on outside, like a gas break. You, you didn't know why they were there. Why they're, If they came to your door, what would you do if a public servant, a police officer, showed up at your door tonight and knocked on the door? What's the first thing you would do? Uh, honestly, I would think that a family member was dead. Oh, oh. Well, that's a good answer. Yeah, that is. I bet most people would think that. Yeah. yeah. So, what, so if, uh, what would you do that? What would be your first reaction? Uh... You, you, how can I help you? Come in, officer. Yeah, basically, I'd be like, I'd basically be and say stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. So um, this is what I suggest to my clients because um, whereas uh, I've never had this actually happen at my house to myself, but I know it's happened to my clients before. If uh, there is a process server or a constable or a deputy or law enforcement that that shows up at your door, um, 
it, it could be to help you. It could be to inform you that, uh, that something's wrong, but it could also be that you've been falsely accused of something and they're investigating and you need to protect yourself. And so what you want to do is uh, step outside your door and uh, usually people don't have their ID on them when they answer the door, but step out the door and ask them what they need. And then you'll, they'll lower the boom. They may ask to come in, but you really don't want strangers because you don't even know if it's really a public servant until you've gotten their ID from them. You want to step outside and ask what they need. If they ask if they can step in, you want to ask them for their ID and what they need. And if they say they have a subpoena or a search warrant, or if they want to come in, you want to ask them if they have a search warrant. And the very next thing, if you find out it's not because someone's died or it's not because um, there's, a, you know, something in the area that's for your safety, but perhaps they're trying to collect information. Um, after you've given them the information that you have to give them, which is your ID and, uh, and you know, so that they, that's, you can't give a false ID. That's the, you, you always have to give a public servant your information that they're talking to the right person. But you want to step outside. You, and I'm not trying to promote the legal profession, but you want to tell them that you want to speak with an attorney. Because if they have a search warrant, you need to have an attorney look at the search warrant before it, to find out if it's valid. If it could be that you're falsely accused of something and they want to come in and kind of snoop around, you don't even know if they're really a police officer. They could come in and they want to hurt you. And I've, that's happened before, too, where people right. have been hurt, right. killed, yes. because people are impersonating a police officer. So what you want to do if they come to your house, this is just the public service, is you want to step outside your door and politely ask what they need. And they could be there to help you, but you don't want to let them in until you know for sure they're a police officer. And you don't want to let them in if they're collecting evidence. You want to first just gather that information and say that you want to speak with your attorney. You want to to set it out there right up front that you've that you're going to exercise your right to an attorney and not to be mean, not to be holding anything back, but to protect yourself because your constitutional right. So a lot of people didn't know that. I would never have known that. Until and then I, you just ask them to leave until you speak with well, the attorney. Well, I mean, they can, I, if they're standing outside your door, they're not actually they're on your property. I guess people could get kind of honorary and say, "Get off my property right now." But I have not had any bad experiences with public servants. Yeah, For the most part, either. they're in that profession right. to help you. Absolutely. But you don't know that they are a public servant, and you don't know what you they've been told by somebody else—a mm-hmm. neighbor, a mad ex-wife, maybe. You just don't know, and so. They may be coming into your your sphere, your protected area, uh, with already bad information, and so they've they've, they've got a bias, mm-hmm. and so you want to uh, protect yourself if there's a bias. So that kind of segues into the first thing that you would do if it was someone at your door. But the very first thing you want to do if you've been accused of domestic violence are, I guess we can turn around and say if somebody has abused you, it's going to go hand in hand, right. is you want to preserve the evidence that proves what happened or proves what didn't happen. Preserve the situation. Um, if, if Now, this is from the perspective of the person that's been falsely accused because we just did that trial. Um, immediately, you need to start documenting that you weren't there or whatever it is you're accused of. People have the wherewithal to know that. Start collecting evidence that proves that you did not commit this crime because you're going to need it. You are not innocent until proven guilty uh, in the eyes of of the police officer, they only need reasonable suspicion, and and then the DA only needs probable cause. So protect yourself. All right. So okay. the second thing that we went oh I forgot what it's kind of important. And people don't know what that that's very generic. Protect yourself. What kind of things do you need to collect to protect yourself? And I'm asking you because these are just sort of things that you unless you had it in front of you you wouldn't think about it, but it's kind of common sense. So right. can you think of one thing that would be the first thing that you would collect? Um, right off the bat, because I know this, you weren't prepared to like. Oh, where I was at the time that okay. that this incident allegedly occurred. But, you know, I don't want to throw a wrench in this, but I just, as we're talking about this, I want to keep in mind that, I mean, I just did a deposition yesterday mm-hmm. where the, uh, it was a divorce situation and the man spent all this time fabricating evidence. Yes, yes. Uh, it, Doing know, the same thing her, that we're talking about, but, but on for the bad. For, for bad, mm-hmm. fabricating and making it look real. Absolutely. And so the, all of that was going through my mind when you asked me the question, but I would preserve text messages, yes. phone yes. records, emails, yes. anything that I had that was a document or uh, something that photographs. Yeah, I would well, photograph myself. You know, that's a very good idea. And if you have a friend who's a, I hate to, you know, to run up expenses, 
But if you're talking about domestic violence, it could be anything, but we're talking about that today. Mm-hmm. Then as, as, as ridiculous as it sounds, if you've been falsely accused of, of being abused, then you need to go to the doc- you need to go to the doctor to prove that you know if you were de- if you had defensive wounds yourself to show mm-hmm. that you were defending yourself exactly and on the other hand and it's kind of hard going back and forth with this because we have two we have all these different cases going on and we represent right. both sides of the, the fence here but in the situation that you were talking with um, if a a person is falsely accused then they need to also show well let me, let me go back falsely accused this person. The woman that I was speaking of. Okay, the- we have two different gender issues because on both ends of it, we have guys and girls that are being having the, the bad side of it. Right. Um, if a woman is has been abused and battered, mm-hmm. then she absolutely needs to get information, including witness statements, um, including pictures, mm-hmm. text messages, mm-hmm. emails, mm-hmm. neighbors as witnesses. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to... Uh, everything that you can to show that this is not true. I don't know how else to put that, right. but that he common was, sense. He was abusing me. Yes. I wasn't doing right. anything but defending myself. Right. Okay. So, um, and but I have to look at it from the perspective of the, the falsely accused right. defendant too, right? because that was the trial that we had just gone through. Right. Um, this poor guy, he didn't know how to defend himself. No. Because... Because it didn't happen. Fabrication is difficult. When you're not a liar, you don't know how to go about this. Mm-hmm. There are people who are professional, sociopathic, manipulative liars. We all know them. Mm-hmm. We sure do. <laughs> so, so, And they're good. They they're are. very believable mm-hmm. because they cover all their bases. They've been doing this for a long time. Right. And innocent, unsuspecting attorneys, generally, <laughs> you, you are just people. You don't expect people to lie like that because that's not how we were brought up. Right. That's just not what you... When you go to church, when you, you know, you, when you learn to do the right thing, when you follow the commandments, when you follow the law, you don't lie. Right. So it's hard to deal with a liar if you're not a liar. And you're not prepared. You never saw that coming. Yeah. But as attorneys, we see a lot of liars. And we so, sure do. <laughs> we're, well, that's what we're here to do is help everybody that's sort of right. we get that direction. We want to help you if you know someone who's uh, been a victim of domestic violence or accused of domestic violence and, and they've been falsely accused uh, contact Tony and myself at www.legalconnectionshow.com or questions at legalconnectionshow.com. We're here to help you and just give us a call. We'll be right back after the break. Our talk shows and music shows are looking for sponsors. Want to expand your brand awareness? Reach the hyper-local audience in Montgomery County? Lone Star Community Radio sponsorships accomplish this. Want to see our stats and rates? Check out ourlonestar.com sponsor for more information. Or call in and leave us a message at 936-647-3776 with your questions. Get seen on TV, YouTube, and heard on our podcast, FM, and internet radio. Support your local radio station with Lone Star Community Radio. Hispanic Chamber Connections with Dr. Carlos Sanchez, president of the Woodlands-Conroe Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, featuring event announcements, member highlights, and more. Tuesdays at 1 p.m., broadcasting from the heart of Conroe, Texas, on IRLoneStar.com and Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1. Cheryl. Uh, today we're talking about domestic violence and it's sort of a segue show into, you know, we previously talked about domestic violence from the perspective of the perpetrator. And now we're talking about both the perpetrator's perspective and the victim's perspective. Just so we can be bipolar and confuse everybody. I know. I know. <laughs> I do want to say this, this though. confusing. I, I want to elaborate a little bit more on how important it is for people prior to hiring an attorney right after something has happened, any incident that's criminal, that they they preserve the evidence. And yeah. so I'm going to go into that just a little bit and then cut, cut you loose, cut, my, cut myself loose and let you, you know, carry on to probably more important things. But um, provide your own record, okay? 
This one goes for the victim and the defendant. If the police ignored your side of the story when they came out and didn't write in the report what really happened, be proactive, make a record yourself. You're going to forget because in the when you're you're tense like that and you've got all these emotions and you know you're angry or you're sad or you're you're surprised or whatever the emotion may be, you're going to forget the details. You're going to remember how you felt, but you're going to forget the details and and that's really kind of sad because people get on the stand and they're telling the truth, but they can't remember those details. And then they're made out to be liars and they're not. Tony, that is so true because uh, often police, when they come out, they're doing their job, but they're neutral. Mm-hmm. You know, they yes. got a call. And a lot of times police don't do a very good job. Because they believe what they were told by right. the first proactive person that called. Right. And that's why you always want to get there first. But you're not thinking of involving the government in your life when there's a fight situation. Exactly. But uh, And it's not the police's job. I mean, the police need to be impartial and they need to adequately record what they've been told. And they usually do a very, very good job. Right. But there may be some detail that they're going to miss because you're not thinking about protecting yourself. You're just trying to get the story out and you're frantic. You're like a kid trying to say, this is what happened, this is what happened. When the reality is down the pike, it's going to have to be outlined out, structured, almost minute by minute sometimes, Mm -hmm. as you see in these crime shows. It's really true. Mm -hmm. And so writing down what happened is really useful for many reasons. Your memory will be more fresh, closer to the time of the incident than later. The trial might not happen many months for many, many months. Right. So this written record will be helpful for you and your attorney. Now, that can that cuts both ways because a liar may want to write down what they said. But it is really, really difficult to support a lie. There's going to be something that's said that can't be supported. Yeah. Liars always slip up. So write down what really happened. It's going to jar your memory. And then then when you're on the stand, if it gets to a, a trial level or even if, the, if it doesn't, so the police will believe you, then... Um, that you'll have that 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 record to go back to, that little thing that you may have missed. It's always the little thing, that little tiny thing that you're not thinking of that's going to uh, that's gonna be what people see, that, whether it be the police or the jury or the, the judge or whatever, um, that's going to help you through. Now, witness statements. This is obvious. Get statements from people that witnessed what happened. This can be done in numerous ways, such as an audio or a video recording or even a sworn wit- written statement. But you want to get the witness statements. Um, if you get a witness statement from somebody orally and then they get sick or they get hit on the head or maybe they get mad at you, it's really not going to do any good. So a lot of times people will go to an attorney's office to get a statement. If they're on their deathbed, a lot of times if they're in the hospital, mm-hmm. they'll get it that way. And those are really, really important. Sometimes it doesn't have to go that far. I think, I think a cell phone audio is amazing. And in Texas, one person can record without right. having to tell the other. Right. Keep that phone in your pocket. Right. Come on. Yeah. If you're telling the truth, the person that you're recording is not going to have a problem with it. That goes for police stops, too. If they're stopping you, they don't like it, but you might need to protect yourself from maybe a bad situation and keep that, even if they don't see it, just keep the audio running. It's going to protect you. Okay. Now, um, was the alleged victim drinking? This is so common in, in fight situations. No People start kidding. drinking mm-hmm. and then the real them comes out and mm-hmm. they say something. And you may be on either side of the argument, mm-hmm. but alcohol well, generally, it, it, it's going to inflame a situation that may not have ever even gotten there because somebody may be a little bit insecure mm-hmm. or maybe there's a history that we don't know about. But for whatever reason, people who are intoxicated tend to be less credible. Intoxication would be a sign to the jury that the victim was not telling the truth. I was not thinking clearly when the police report was made. Photos and videos taken with the phone, credit card receipts, surveillance videos, have fair are all useful in showing that the alleged victim was drinking on the night that it happened. But they also show that even if they were drinking, that perhaps they weren't out of it, that Mm -hmm. both parties were drinking. So um, those are the type of things that you need. All of these things are important. Collect them. Um, What uh, I haven't mentioned is telephone records. Everybody can get them. They're right on the, um, you can get them through your telephone provider. You can look at your your own uh, telephone report, your your bill, and see who called who when. Those are very important. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, you can have your cell phone in your pocket calling somebody while they're there, but there's still evidence, and it's, it's pretty helpful. Um, pictures, pictures that occurred before and after the alleged incident can be extremely useful. And we're talking videos, too. Um, for an example, uh, if somebody has, uh, if there's a fight, if somebody comes onto your property and they mm-hmm. shouldn't be on your property mm-hmm. and you have you have a security video, how important and valuable is that 
that you can prove that that you didn't invite them on your property, that mm-hmm. they came on and you asked them to leave. Get, please, everybody, go out and get a, a, even a cheap video system for your for your house. Absolutely. You've got to have uh, there it. There was a, the deposition that I spoke about yesterday, the 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 man's house and the woman's house back up. And without that surveillance camera and that mm-hmm. footage that you can just turn into little snapshots, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have seen him throwing dead chicken carcasses yes, over yes. her fence. And, 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 and good liars hearing lie mm-hmm. about what they, they said. Oh, they invited me over. No, if there's a forcible break and they entered and you're screaming, leave, mm-hmm. they didn't hear it on the security video, but you can see it. Right. So very important. So, mm-hmm. um, so the, the video evidence is, um, it kind of had, it cued my mind on, on something but but it, that was related to that. But you really do need to get the security uh, cameras if you don't have them. Oh, that was what it was. The the the, the Austin bombings, uh, the, the, have you, did you hear about that on the uh, on the news yesterday? No. Oh my gosh, you were too busy. It looks like I, I am doing too much stuff. Yes. Uh, yesterday, and it, I've been praying for these people. It's just really, really sad. What happened? Um, there have been um, incidents in Austin um, over, the, I think, particularly yesterday, the second and third incidents, where packages were left at someone's doorstep, like FedEx, just a box. Uh, in the middle of the night, these packages were left, like like delivery. And, you know, um, Amazon delivers a lot of times, I guess, at odd hours, and maybe right. you just didn't see it. People just went out into their front yard and picked up these packages, and they haven't been clear on whether it happened at the time they picked it up or whether they brought it in their house. But they died. The package exploded. This was in Austin. And it didn't happen once. It happened three times. All the same situation. My son lives in Austin. This is devastating. I know so many people that go to UT that live in Austin. So now you want to, this is another reason you should have security cameras. And don't go picking up some box. I mean, people are going to pick their mail up. Sure. So what do you do? I mean, the world is just such a terrible place right now. Yeah. Uh, Not completely terrible. There's a lot of good things, but... Be very careful. Get a security camera for your house, even if it's a little cheap one. Mm-hmm. You can look at it on your phone. Don't pick up boxes you don't know what they are. These boxes may have looked like regular packages, but that goes to the same thing here. You don't know if somebody's mad at you is going to leave something that on your doorstep that that maybe is not good. So, so get right. your security cameras. Okay. Um, the pictures that occurred before and after the alleged um, incident can be extremely useful. Uh, so get your your cell phone out. Get the pictures. These pictures can show that an injury did not occur or even that the alleged victim was an aggressor and uh, and that you were the one who was injured. That happens both ways. Just get the video, all right, right. Uh, and the pictures. Text messages, critical. When a client comes to me and they tell me that, um, and when I ask for the text message, I always ask for the text messages, emails, Facebook. I ask for all of that. If they mm-hmm. tell me, oh, they got deleted, I immediately, there's a red flag that goes up. Right. I know they're lying mm-hmm. because no one deletes their text messages. No, no one has time to do that. Mm-mm. You're going to save those text messages mm-hmm. every time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the phone, um, uh, when you subpoena these phone records, you a lot of times you can get the text messages even if they're deleted, but sometimes you can't. Mm-hmm. Um, the FBI is amazing, but who has the money to, right. unless you're the government, to go get this kind of stuff? Now, we can get Hillary's emails and all that stuff because the FBI is going into it looking at it. They have the money to do that. But if you're typically just trying to subpoena records to uh, defend to defend one of your clients or to, prove. on the other side, to prove that, mm-hmm. that that somebody is making up lies about somebody, you need to really be proactive and save your own text messages. Um, text messages are one of the most useful pieces of evidence that I've seen in criminal defense as a criminal defense attorney. Um, text messages that provide a permanent record of a person's thoughts and feelings during a particular time and thus are powerful evidence to juries. You know this. I do know because it. Because right when they said, because we had that in the trial yeah, that we just, just did. week. Uh-huh. And it's like, okay, they can be good and they can be bad because they are just what people are saying and how they're saying it. And there's a date and time stamp on it. It's right. beautiful. Mm-hmm. Preserve all evidence of text messages about the alleged incident and any future communications with the alleged victim. In fact, I often advise my clients that any communications that occur with an alleged victim should be done in that format so it can be preserved which goes to our family wizard. Love that facility if you're in a divorce. Tell us what that is, Tony. Oh, my gosh. I don't know who came up with this, but it is amazing. Um, it's just a facility, and I'm not like an expert on this. I just know that uh, courts will require that you have this in a lot of contested uh, divorces. Um, it is a facility where you can request that, or, or many times ordered, that the two parties in a, a divorce situation, or it could be any situation, but primarily it's for divorce when there's children involved, um, they can only communicate through our family wizard because everything is 
is documented. And um, and that means you can't say, oh, I accidentally sent an email and, and, and they're, you're sending out a defamatory email or they can't say they didn't receive it because their email was down. Kids can communicate through our family wizard. So if you're afraid that you're the, the estranged spouse is, is trying to manipulate children, which happens all the time, I'm sad yeah, to right. say, it is very, very prominent. And um, if, 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 you're, if you want the kids, everything that's being said to come through and it's legitimate, then you want to have it said on a, in a forum that's, that's controlled. Mm-hmm. Our Family Wizard is a, is a controlled forum where parties and children can all talk. And I have found it to be amazing and invaluable. That way you're not saying, oh, my email was down. Oh, I sent it through this email and then it got lost. It's one basic place where they communicate. Right. And, and that also protects the, the, the party that is, is um, I want to say being abused. Mm-hmm. for lack of a better way to put it. Mm-hmm. If you've got some people that aren't being completely honest, um, the, the spouse is saying one thing to uh, CPS, say, or, or the police, and they're lying about it. This, uh, this Our Family Wizard allows all communications to not occur anyplace but there. In other words, they can't call you. They can't harass you. They can't send you emails through an email. They can't yell at you. They can only communicate through that facility. And it is wonderful. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we, Tony and I are here today. We're talking about domestic violence and we're talking about it from both perspectives, the perspective of the perpetrator or alleged perpetrator and the perspective of the victim or alleged victim. Um, you can email us your questions at questions at legalconnectionshow.com or you can call us at 281-529-5862 with your questions. And we also have a Facebook page that is facebook.com forward slash Legal Connection Show. So we will be right back after the break talking about domestic violence. For those of you who like your partners, your gumbo, and your music salty, well, we're here to help with the music. Julian Shea here, host of Lone Star Country Nights Thursday, your weekly dose of roots and Americana and all the music that makes this part of the country special. We stir in western swing, honky-tonk, zydeco, Texas blues, outlaw country, and put a pinch of red dirt, and then we smoke it over a slow fire. Then listen to the results Thursday nights on Conroe's 104.5 and 106.1 and worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show. With monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the message line at 936 Six four seven three seven seven six to take your first step into the radio world. Welcome back to the Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. Today, we are talking about domestic violence, and we're talking about it from the perspective of the perpetrator, alleged perpetrator, and also the victim or the alleged victim. Yes. Um, So Tony's been telling us what to do when the police come to your door and you have been charged with domestic violence. So, um, okay, Tony, you were saying collect evidence, and you thoroughly covered that, I think, absolutely important. One other thing that I want to add, because the way our world is changing, social media was not something you're ever going to see in 12 Angry Men or in, in movies. Right. Social media is critical for collecting ed- evidence. If you can save a Facebook page, people will wipe out. Just print. People, many, many times, there have been stuff on YouTube where people have made, um, um, people have made things and you've seen it and you're like aghast. You're like, right. oh my gosh, or like a MyFundMe or all kinds of Go things. GoFundMe things. GoFundMe. Yeah. They, they're putting things up on the internet that you see and you're stunned and you think it's going to be there forever. It is not. Yeah. You you can subpoena that stuff from Google and all that junk and it's impossible. I mean, you can get it eventually, but save yourself the trouble. 
save, save it to a disc, mm -hmm. save the social media. Okay. Social media is another powerful piece of evidence. Often after an incident, the alleged victim will make posts on social media talking about the incident. Right. And I have a case is dismissed after I can show the prosecution about these posts, that Absolutely. it's a lie. Right. It's a total lie. But a lot of people are sociopaths and they, they know better. They've learned that they can get to it. And so they cover the tracks pretty well. Well, I want a, a protective order case because when supposedly the alleged victim was so scared, she's posting on Facebook, I'm going to get him back, basically. Yes. Right. Yes. People and, would do that. They're yeah. dumb. Mm -hmm. I can't, I'm, I'm just like, salivating over stuff like that I because I cannot believe how lucky I've gotten that, that I've got a case that I, my I the, the other side has given me it on a platter. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, and you can't say anything. And you're just, and then you kind of feel bad for the person that has to lie that much. You're like, yes. why are they doing this? Which kind of segues into my little, my quick question for you. Okay. Um, before I did this segment today, I was just feeling so blessed because uh, a lot of things, you know, there's a lot of bad things out there and the Austin thing is awful and I'm just happy to be breathing alive and it's a gorgeous spring day and, you know, all of that. And so um, this particular Psalm came to me. I don't know anything about the Psalms. I'm terrible about it. And it's the Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. And so basically God hates people that love violence and people go to violence all the time. I don't know why, whether it's, seven deadly sins because they get angry or they're drinking or whatever it is. Why are these, and it, it came to me because of the Austin thing. Who would leave, who would leave On a random box? people's. We don't know if it was random or not. It probably yeah. was, but uh, who does that? I just, I don't know. I pray for their souls. When I see even the other side, I can't, I can't hate them. In, in trial, you're just trying to get the evidence out and let the judge or the jury decide what's right. It's not up to us. It's, us to it's up to us to present evidence which is what we were just now talking about. But I was going to ask you, who writes this? Who wrote the Psalms? I have no idea. Um, King David. King David wrote, mo he wrote, I think about half of the Psalms. And then you have Asaph wrote many Psalms. And what what do we have? A total of 150 Psalms, 250 I mean, we Psalms. Hear a psalm every Sunday. Uh-huh. And I know some of them are put to songs and all that kind of thing. But And David did that. David used to that they were songs. A lot of the Psalms are songs that David would play his songs. So David was like a rock star. David was a minister. He was like he was like music. A Mick Jagger. <laughs> <laughs> no? Tony. No. <laughs> I, I, okay, I didn't know. I thought, well, I you know, maybe he'll get, get in his No, no, back, no. back to refocus, refocus. Okay. Thinking about Mick Jagger being, writing the song. And then know. also there were some, the Sons of Korah wrote some psalms. So they had some ministers of music and it calmed people down and it yes. helped them meditate. The do they not calm you down? Oh, they do. Do we not need more music when we see this violence and stuff in the world? I just Yes, music that soothes and ministers. People that I go think. do crazy things and lie like the deposition you had yesterday. Oh, it was horrible. And these people that make false accusations. Mm -hmm. Maybe they just need music. Well, I don't know. okay. I don't know. Okay, now, step two, when you are falsely accused or you've been accused, whichever one, whichever your perspective is, mm -hmm. um, get a lawyer. Lawyer. The lawyer will know the particular preferences of the judge, how the judge runs the juries in his pretrials. Mm -hmm. um, a lawyer is going to know what you need to do to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the lawyer will know the reputation of the prosecutors. The lawyer will be closer to the courthouse. You want to get one that's close by. A lawyer has been through this before, and they're going to help you immediately know what to do. Exactly. So don't panic. And a good lawyer would be able to tell you any of these points too, hopefully. Yes, quickly. Yes. It's, it's, you know, Google's good too. I'll, I'll give Google some credit. Right. But, but don't, we're, this is the most important thing that we do in life is, and it's part of the commandments, is we honor God and God tells us that the most, the two most important commandments are to honor God and to serve your neighbor. If we are attorneys serving our neighbor, we're serving your neighbor. Google serves you, your neighbor too, I guess. If right, you, that's but a good point. the most important thing is that you need to reach out. Don't don't take this all in on your own and think that you're alone. You need to reach out to an attorney, to a friend, to somebody that you trust that's going to help guide you to know what to do in these times that when you're panicking. Take a deep breath, step back, kind of collect yourself. You know, just uh, it gives you that, that peace that you need to know how to go forward and to do the right thing to, to so you can go on and have a, a good life. Okay. Uh, people that whether you're the victim or the person doing it, step back. Mm -hmm. If you're if you have a lot of anxiety about something, easy for me to say, um, then step back and take a deep breath and assess the situation. It's the best advice I can think I could probably give you and the, anybody that's listening to the show right now is 
take a step back and reach out when you need help. All right. Now, okay. but a good lawyer too. Right. <laughs> um, Let's see. Uh, you want to bond out uh, if you got arrested. That means um, pay your bond so you can be released. So then you can turn around and have time to prepare your case yes, with yes. your Don't attorney. Don't sit in jail boiling. Um, right. Try and uh, do what you can with that little bit of time that you've got on the phone. You know, you get your, your free phone call. I'm not sure how they do it in all the different counties, but I get phone calls all the time that are collect costs in the jail. And I'm like, oh, who is calling me? Collect from the jail again. And um, <laughs> and I'm like, serve your neighbor. A lot of times I'm glad I did though. If, they're, if they've gone to the effort to call me, I really, I usually answer my phone. Right. And um, there's, it's usually important. And I have to bite the bullet and say, yeah, I'm going to take that charge because there's a reason that, that, that God's hand has had them call me. And I usually don't want to, you know, it's not for the money. It's to help somebody else. Okay. Dress formal when you get to court. Yes, look um, nice. Because everybody's watching. Mm -hmm. You don't believe that? Everybody's watching. The yes. bailiff, the court, the clerk, the judge, everybody's got their eyes on what's going on. All right. Um, you want to um, have a really long discussion with your attorney after mm -hmm. you hire them. Mm -hmm. Because they may pick up some details that you forgot to write down that are kind of important. Right. Um, now, this is really, really important. And that's something that we didn't really get a chance to cover last time we are here. Um, if... Spouses have fights all the time. Girlfriend and boyfriends have fights all the time. That's just, you're going to have a dispute and it's going to escalate if you are very passionate about something. If you have a calm demeanor in your relationship, then it may not escalate into anything. And that those are the marriages that last 80 years. Right. And maybe those marriages need to fight a little bit. They might have a little spice. You mm -hmm. know, there's a lot of passion going on if you're fighting. Mm -hmm. But uh, people don't, they haven't learned as, as uh, many people have not learned how to, uh, with uh, having a mature relationship where you can agree to disagree and it escalates into a fight. It happens all the time. And then of course there's alcohol and drugs involved. It goes that way too. Um, whether it's a false accusation or it was just a mutual fight or whatever the case may be. Um, if it gets to the, the point where um, the, the police are involved and there's been allegations made, mm -hmm. uh, it could be that, that, um, that you need to, it needs to be unwound and I guess to step back a little bit, I want to say that uh, defendants may lie to the police and later feel remorse because, and they wish that they could simply call the police and have the charges dropped. Right. Unfortunately, once the report is made, there's no way to stop the case from rolling out of control. Okay. Unless. Uh, well, it is possible that the intake department will decide not to pursue the case. Right. It could be that the DA is like, eh, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not buying it. I've seen this all before, not doing it. So there are some points where it can be stopped, mm -hmm. but it does have a life of its own once that report is made, depending right. on how assertive you are about it. Um, but that's really left up the discretion of somebody else, and you really don't want it to get there. You don't want to have the government in control of your life. This is the biggest mis misunderstanding that I see in assault violence cases, and that is that the victim can get the case dropped whenever he or she desires it to be dropped. Right. You can't do that. No. It's, an attorney can't do that, but they can help you. Mm -hmm. All right. And so, um, so what you can do, and I, I guess the best way, um, well, the defendant had to be arrested in order for them to show up and testify. All right. Um, if you're in court, if it gets that far along that, that if somebody, like when we're talking to our, our, our good station helper here, um, if it gets to the point where the police are knocking at your door and, and you've made a statement because you're mad and you may have embellished a little bit because you're mad, mm -hmm. you can't take that back or you're going to be made to be a liar. You could be prosecuted for lying. You sure can. But there is a way to get around this if you have remorse because maybe it was a mutual combat. Maybe you didn't tell the whole side of the story. Okay, the um, suspense is killing me, Tony. <laughs> what do we do? Uh, you can ask, You can go visit with, uh, your attorney has to do this for you, but you can fill out something called, an, uh, it's not just filling it out, but you're going to approach your attorney to approach the district attorney or the family violence attorney with what's called an affidavit of non-prosecution, mm -hmm. okay? Um, it is, at first you're going to, first you could you could actually tell if it gets, if it's gone this far along, you could actually tell the prosecutors, I don't want to, I don't want to prosecute, okay? But mm -hmm. you want to feel, you want to get with an attorney mm -hmm. who can help you to complete this thing called an affidavit of non-prosecution. The so, attorney would draft it, right? The attorney drafts it, the attorney will present that, well, it has to be their own statement. It has to be the truth. You, you, these things, 
An really, affidavit is swear, I swear it I'm didn't telling happen. the truth. If it didn't happen, I may have been upset at the time that I said this, but this is what really happened. I don't want to prosecute. It, it has to be something that's filled out. You generally want your attorney to do it for you because you're, you don't have any credibility now. You've said one thing and now you're saying another. Right. You need to have this attorney to craft it so that it's being presented to the prosecutor that this is what happened and I've got this and they've recanted and this was just a fight. Here's the lovely family and... And, and that kind of thing. And then they can, they and will be dropped. this is the truth. Okay, yeah. well, that's something mm-hmm. good. Very, very People important. People don't know about that. Well, so we're about to wrap up for today, but this show has been a segue between the perpetrator, the one accused in a domestic violence situation, and the victim. And so we've talked about both today, but Tony Lynn Collins and myself, Cheryl Ellsworth Jahani, we want you to know that we are here for you. If you have been going through a domestic violence situation, uh, we were talking about, you know, the scripture that Tony quoted was about how the Lord hates violence. And why would someone get into a violent situation? I'd like to talk about that next time. Yes. What is domestic violence? Why did, why does it even go there? Yes. What, who should call foul earlier? Yes. Who should have filed for divorce. Don't yes. be a victim. Don't victimize yourself because you're trying to put up with. communication. Um, yeah, would be a good alternative. And, and maybe those seven deadly sins and a few more virtues that kind of offset them. I mean, Or don't be put up with things that you can't put up don't with. Don't be submissive. You don't have to be abused. Right, Everybody exactly. knows that. Right. It's not because they love you. It's a, they may be saying that because they want something. I mean, there's a lot of different dynamics going on here in every situation. There Communication sure is. is important. And like I was saying, reach out. Reach out to your church for help. Reach out to your best friend for help. Yeah, what do you family. trust? Right. Pray. Exactly. <laughs> and don't try to put up with more than you can. Yeah. You know, don't don't continually kind of goes be pushed both ways. limits. You, people could be lying and saying you did something, you didn't do it, and you're going to have to fight like the devil to get it taken Absolutely. off. Right. On or, the other hand, you may be t- putting up with a lot of stuff that you don't need to put up with because there's something wrong with this relationship. The con- the, the, well, we want you to join us next week for the continuation of this. Check us out at www.legalconnectionshow.com. We're on IRLoneStar.com on Tuesdays from 12 to 1, uh, Conroe's FM, or you can download the podcast on Google Play or iTunes and listen to us all over the world. And I hope to get a domestic violence counselor in next week as an expert so that we can um, kind of feel some of these questions through them. That would be great. And I guess uh, hang in there. Think about what you do before you do it. Step back. Take a look at the situation. Most importantly, serve God by serving your neighbor. That's true. We'll see you next week. Thank you for checking out this production of Lone Star Community Radio. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's community radio station. Don't forget to check out this show and many others across the Lone Star Community Radio network, either live on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, the Lone Star Internet Radio app, or IRLoneStar.com's live audio stream, and on replay on podcast, Channel 12's Our City TV and Conroe, or Channel 21 KVQT in Houston, and of course, their YouTube channel. This production is copyrighted, and all rights are reserved by Lone Star Community Radio. Have a question regarding this program or other Lone Star Community Radio shows? Want to sponsor or start your own show? Call the station message line at 936-647-3776 or email the station at lscrstudios at gmail.com.